Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. So wherever you work, you are probably interacting with and collaborating with people from a range of cultures. In fact, if you're like most of the clients, you have a pretty pretty broad team from different places around the world and often different time zones. But while we talk about this from a, a cultural diversity point of view, we're also going to talk about this from just a human to human point of view. So the question is, what do you need to do? What do you need to know to ensure that you're being culturally aware and that you're helping people save face? Now, you probably think about that in terms of an Asian context. For today, I want you to think about that in terms of a human context. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, but we're going to focus on what that concept really means, what it doesn't mean, as well as what do you do to be a great colleague and a fabulous leader across all cultures and for everybody. So my guest today is Maya Hu Chan. She's a globally recognized speaker, author, leadership consultant, and an ICF master certified coach. She specializes in leadership, cross-cultural management, as well as diversity and inclusion. She's ranked in the top leadership coaches of 2021. She's the top eight global solutions thinkers, according to Thinkers 50. She's the world top 30 leadership gurus, and she's in the top 100 thought leaders in management and leadership. I think that means a lot of people think she has very good things to say. So Maya's worked with thousands of leaders from major corporations, government agencies, and nonprofit organizations throughout the Americas, Asia, Europe, and Australia. She's a popular keynote speaker and a workshop facilitator, and her book, Global Leadership, The Next Generation, is rated by Harvard Business School as their working knowledge book. She's a columnist for Inc.com, and her most recent book is the one we're going to talk about today, Saving Face. How to Preserve Dignity and Build a Trust, and it's an Amazon number one bestseller. Now, I will say that Maya comes from a business background in that she was the anchor for China Broadcasting Company in Taiwan. She was born and raised in Taiwan and is fluent in Chinese and English. But today, she lives in San Diego with her husband and her triplets and enjoys a whole host of activities. Maya, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Wanda. I am so excited to be here. So am I. And I have to say, I really like the book. I told you this before that I really liked it. I still do really like it. Highly recommend to everybody. But let's start. Why does this concept, saving face, matter to you? Well, you know, Wanda, I have been working with leaders um, in leadership development for over 25 years. And I have learned a lot about their frustrations, their challenges, and also their successes over the years. And over over the years, I realized that when people are experiencing difficulties with with people, with relationships, and um, when when you boil down to it, that there is this one key concept that almost permeates all interactions, and that is the concept of face. 
And I share that with leaders at all levels, across cultures, across generations, genders, and human differences. And many of them really resonate with that. And in my own personal life, I also have worked and lived cross-culturally. So um, I realized that the concept of saving face is really not just the Asian concept. It's really universal. And so that inspired me to write this book. Great, as it should, as it should. I mean, we all, especially in the Western world, we've heard the phrase saving face. But you make a big deal that face is actually in a lot of our metaphors and in a lot of our language. Say a little bit more about how you see it. Yeah, you know, um, I think face, um, I see face as the social currency in today's mm-hmm. world. Okay, so um, when you think about face, it's like the more face you have, the easier and faster you can get things done. Okay, so imagine that how we build a supply of face by making this continuous deposit into the face account, right? We build trust, we express gratitudes and appreciations, and we, we give credit where credit is due, and we keep our promises, and we make others feel respected and valued. All of that, we continue to make that deposit into the face account. And so um, when we need to make a withdrawal at some point, um, we are careful not to make somebody lose face, okay? And for example, we, when we get feedback, we wanted to make sure that we save face and preserve dignity for the other person. And if we mistakenly cause them to lose face, the relationship can still be saved if we have not deposit in yeah. this relationship account. And I like to call that overdraft protection. <laughs> it's, yes, it's interesting. Um, I think, and I get your point that it's like a bank account and that we're making a deposit in the bank account. And in effect, I'm investing in the relationship is a language we might always use. Um, and that at times I might have to withdraw from that. I might have to do something like I might have to give some tough feedback or I might have to go against somebody's wishes or any number of things. I want to make a withdrawal. But that I, if there's enough deposited, then I can still recover. I'm not going to have an overdraft protection. I agree with you, too. When I talk to people about managing difficult, quote unquote, difficult people. And keep in mind that your person that's difficult may be somebody else's star and best friend and probably is. So difficult is relative only. So when we're dealing with difficult people, it's often because we don't give them sufficient respect. So it's we're not helping them save face or have face. Yeah, absolutely, Wanda. I think that um, sometimes that being difficult, it's all relative, right? And also, um, you know, one person, like you said, can can be somebody's best friend and can be a star in with certain people, but then you know, they can become more difficult, or you know, from somebody else's point of view. And it has a lot to do with how we interact with each other and how they feel that they are being treated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that when we call somebody difficult, we wanted to actually look in the mirror and said, well, think about, is there something that I have done to create that relationship? And what can I do differently? 
One of my piece, favorite pieces of advice to follow up on that for people who are talking to me about a difficult person is I always say, find some one thing, one, I don't care how tiny, that you respect or admire about that individual and show it. So as I now understand it, that would be helping somebody gain face or save face. Never would have thought about it that way. And I can't tell you how many people come back to me and say, wow, did that dramatically change the nature of our relationship? Just that one thing. There may be 15 things you don't like, but just the one level of respect. Because what you're helping somebody do is feel respected, have dignity. Yes, yes. And, you know, Wanda, um, I think one thing that that we, we all agree that nobody's perfect, right? And so... Don't expect everybody to kind of meet your standard of perfection or what's a competent, professional, uh, and good. So that if we can, like you said, all find one thing that you appreciate about that person and then really kind of appreciate that quality authentically. And then you treat that person from that point of view um, and then make the, the other person feel truly respected and appreciated. I think that alone will be able to move the needle and change your relationship in a positive way. Right, right. It also strikes me as we're talking about this concept, saving face, respect, dignity, that this is what so many of our marginalized groups in every culture everywhere are seeking. I wanted to be treated with respect, with dignity, and in fairness, the way other people having the same opportunities that other people are having. So I think this concept is much more applicable than any of us might have realized when we start with the concepts of saving face. So let's dig into this one. You talk about honoring face, saving face, and losing face. So explain to me what saving face is uh, and what it means to you. Okay, well, I'd be happy to. There are three key concepts that um, about face. So first, actually, let me define what face is. So face represents a person's self-esteem, self-worth, identity, reputation, pride, and dignity. So that that's a lot, right? And that rep- really kind of represents how you see yourself, and also how others perceive you. It's inside and out, outside in and inside out. So um, with that, there are three key concepts. The first one is called honoring face. Mm-hmm. So what is honoring face? Honoring face is, um, uh, is the actions that we take to show respect, admiration, and preserve dignity for others. Now, so this is actually when we honor face for other people, we're actually making that deposit of face in the relationship account. And so how do you honor face? There are, it's really something that you probably already doing. It's not a rocket science, and it's really ways to show that you respect the other person. So um, first of all, you listen to them, okay? okay? And you ask for their input, and you show appreciation and gratitude, and you empathize with them, uh, put yourself in their shoes, and to acknowledge their input, and also give their voice equal time and weight. You always assume positive intention. Okay, so um, one of the one of my favorite quotes is from Maya Angelou, that 
you um she said that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you make them feel right and i think that really is explain what honoring face is all about honoring face is you're sending a message to to the other person that i see you i hear you you matter yeah so um that's the first concept okay honoring face honoring face um so again the things that actions that i take as a leader and as a colleague that show people that i respect them i admire them um and i'm going to have them preserve their dignity i guess is the best way to describe describe that and i love your examples i'm going to listen and not interrupt actually listen paul xtel says just listen for four minutes you can stop after four minutes, but four minutes gives somebody your undivided attention. I just think that idea of undivided attention is powerful, that you ask for their input. They matter enough that you seek their opinion, and then you show appreciation and gratitude, and you give their voice equal weight and equal time. And I honestly think if we did that with everybody that was on our team, either as our peers or as our direct reports, you would have an inclusive culture. I think that defines what we're looking for. So you're looking for actions as a leader. That's it right there. Equal voice, equal weight. Listen, ask for their input, show appreciation and gratitude. Check, done. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great summary, Wanda. Loved it. Absolutely. You know, there is uh, the Chinese character of listening. It actually um, consists of three parts. And it consists of one ear, one heart, and ten eyes. Okay? So when you put those three parts together, that's listening. So you want to, if you truly, truly listen to someone, it's not just about listening to their words, but you listen with your heart, you feel for them, and also ten eyes. It's that you observe. You really watch and listen and pay attention. So that's, that's, that's the way of showing respect. Great. Great. All right. One of the pieces of advice I love to give managers when they're asking me, how do I, do I build a more inclusive culture? One of my big pet peeves is that when you spend that informal, casual time, you know, you're walking down the row of desks or you're just checking in with people or you're picking up the phone and calling them or slacking them or whatever you're doing in this day and time, do you spend equal time with everybody? Or do you spend time with your favorites? And it's so obvious to to us who matters and who doesn't based on how you as a manager spend your informal time. And that's what you're talking about with this honoring face. See, hear, equal weight and equal time for voice. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, so that's honoring face and that's making a deposit. Second concept. Yes. So second concept is something you wanted to avoid. Mm-hmm. Losing face. And um, losing face is, um, you know, is something that describes conditions where people feel devalued, humiliated, excluded, or unappreciated. Okay. And um, I'd like to um, use a, uh, um, a, a 2,500-year-old Chinese proverb to explain this concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, the spilled water is hard to regain. 
Okay, so if you uh, just imagine that you have a glass of water sitting on your desk and you accidentally knock it over and then you spill the water all over the place, all over the floor. Now, how hard is it to put it all back in the glass? It's nearly impossible, right? And even if you manage to put some back in the glass, do you still want to drink it? I doubt it. (laughs) No, because it's no longer the same. It's, you know. So um, this proverb is something that I've learned and heard since I was a child growing up in in Taiwan. And um, it really reminds me that we have to be mindful and careful about what we do and what we say. Because once we have said or done something, even if it was unintentional, that we can't take it back. Even you apologize, you take it back, the damage is done. So that's the same about when we cause somebody to lose face. Okay? And, you know, when we cause people to lose face, it provokes shame, fear, mm-hmm. insecurity, guilt, vulnerability, and a wide range of negative emotions. And those negative emotions can directly impact how they perform at work, mm-hmm. how they speak up, how much they speak up, or how, how, how much they ask questions um, or share their ideas, and even how long they stay with the company. So, you know, people may not actually use the word, oh, I feel like I, I, I lost face at work. They may not even use those words, but you hear something like, my boss doesn't appreciate what I do. Or people don't really listen to my ideas. I don't feel I belong. Mm-hmm. When you hear those expressions, they are telling you that they, have, they feel that they've lost face at work. They don't feel like they are part of the group. They don't feel they're included. Um, so that is something that we have to be mindful, particularly when you're a leader, is to think about, you know, what, what's going on here? Do I have an inclusive environment that people actually feel included and appreciated and respected? Okay, Because sometimes we can cause people to lose face. We don't even know it. It can be completely unintentional. Um, you know, for example, you give somebody feedback in public. You point out something was wrong in a, se- in a, in a group setting. Um, or you disagree with somebody without thinking about, is this the right place, right person to talk about this? You know, a lot of times we, we run on the autopilot that we are not really aware of the impact of our words. But once you said it, done it, the impact is there. Okay. Yeah. So I often tell the, my, my, uh, my leaders that, you know, get off the autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Start paying attention. Right. Right. Think before you speak. Yeah. uh, Easier said than done on some occasions. I think this concept, especially to Western ears, when we think of losing face, we think of doing something to somebody that does extremely humiliate them. Like, you know, we catch them stealing or something. We think of those dramatic cases. But you talk in the book about much simpler ones places where we just cut somebody off without intention and even not even understanding that they were embarrassed. So can you give kind of some more examples about what you see leaders do that cause others to lose face? Yes, you know, those scenarios is happening every day in our workplace, right? So we cut somebody off, 
when we are um, in a in a conversation, in a meeting, or uh, very often that somebody said something, share an idea, and it's not being acknowledged or follow up. And 15 minutes later, somebody else said the exact same thing. And then all of a sudden you say, wow, what a great idea. But then this idea has been already mentioned earlier by another person. Um, there are so many different situations that we can cause somebody to lose face, don't feel respected and appreciated or being heard. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know it. So I think that leaders, um, again, is to kind of um, be more mindful and really pay attention and ask yourself if this is if, if I'm truly listening and pay attention. Okay? And if you're a peer, you're, you're in a team meeting and you hear somebody um, voice an opinion and then later it was not being heard or acknowledged and later on some, some, somebody brought it up, you can actually jump in and, and amplify and give credit to the first person that brought up that idea and say, you know, I heard that um, uh, Cindy talk about this idea just a few minutes ago. I think that that was something that I'd love to hear more from Cindy. Yeah. So amplify that being an ally. You know, you don't have to be a leader to do that. And that's a way of actually creating an inclusive environment in a team setting or in a workplace so that um, you can truly help people who are perhaps uh, feel more marginalized or um, excluded to feel like they're part of the team. And you are, you have their back. Right. You're yeah. part of their support network. Right. So it strikes me listening to you talk about this, that what we would want a leader of a meeting, whether it's your team or just a general team, is that if you're asking for input and somebody offers an idea, that you actually pause on that idea and spend a minute with it. Like, don't rush to the next one or don't discount it or don't say, okay, great, next. How we all go in a rush, that you pause and say, okay, that's interesting. Say one more sentence about why you think that's important or thank you, that's an interesting idea or just any acknowledgement rather than rush to the next. It strikes me as that that's one really powerful thing to be doing and anybody can do that, not just the leader of the team. Um, but it also strikes me that, you know, some of the classic things that we say, like when you have negative feedback for somebody to, to give, it's a rare situation where public is an acceptable place to do it. Almost always, you're better off in private on that one. Might be thanked about it in private, never be appreciated in public, almost always. There's a few exceptions, but very few. So just those two simple things, listening to you talk, would go a long way. And I think there's also this thing of appreciating people's showing up, contribution, care, interest. I mean, you know, we can appreciate a lot in people. So, okay, fair enough. I have um, one more comment I want to make about this. When you talk about losing face, that people experience shame, fear, insecurity, guilt, a lot of negative emotions, that they feel devalued, humiliated, excluded, and unappreciated. Devalued, humiliated, excluded, and unappreciated. On a slight, on a completely different note, what I'm going to say is that feeling those things, devalued, humiliated, excluded, and unappreciated, will drive defensive behavior every day, all day long. So if you're finding that people are reacting in the defensive posture, it is probably because they're feeling that they have lost face, face, feeling devalued, underappreciated, humiliated, and excluded. Okay. 
big, big advice there. All right. So let's go to the last one, which is honor. You said we did honoring, we did losing. Now tell me about saving. Yes. So saving phase, um, it's actually one of the most important concepts of the whole book, right? Saving phase is the authentic and intentional act of turning around a situation to prevent the loss of respect and dignity for all parties involved for a positive outcome. Okay. Okay. So um, when we work with people every day, there's always situations that coming up that can create some uncomfortable situations and also potentially can, um, can, can cause somebody to lose face. So we can all kind of think of develop skills so that we can drive for win-win. Okay, at the end of the day, to think about how can I help everybody involved to, um, to feel good about the situation. It's a win-win situation. And uh, this has to be authentic. It has to be intentional. And then, of course, that we, we don't, there's, there, there's something that um, very often American, uh, Americans often use the saving face as, as of, oh, let's just kind of don't deal with it because, you know, this could be embarrassing. Well, the true meaning of saving face it's about we are, we have the other person's back and we're kind but firm. We are, um, uh, we're holding people accountable at the same time that we demonstrate respect for the other person. So saving face can do that, but it's an art. And also it's a skill that needs to be developed that requires emotional intelligence for us to really navigate sometimes can be tricky or delicate situations. Right. I think the Western view or understanding of saving face is that we make nice, mm-hmm. that I just treat everybody really, and it, and it implies that we're not going to get around to saying more challenging messages that actually need to be conveyed. But that's not what you understand as saving face. So say more. Yeah. So saving face for the wrong reason, <laughs> it's, it's, it's worse than not doing it at all. Right. So saving face is not about being soft. In fact, saving face is a soft skill that's very hard to, to master. So and saving face is not about avoiding conflict. Um, it's not about tolerating bad behaviors or poor performance. And saving face is not just lip service or um, or dance around the issue and dropping hands and not providing the real true feedback. And saving face is also not about covering up your own mistakes and avoid responsibility. Okay? So saving face is not any of that. So truly that when we want to save face for other people and to save the situation, turn the negative situation around, it requires courage that we have to use straight talk with the person, but we have to be mindful about is this the right place, right time, and Am I talking to the right person? And also be able to um, say what you have to say in a respectful, clear manner. And so both sides understand clearly what's going on at the same time that the person feel respected and we can move forward with, uh, with a positive solution. Okay, so then the U.S., for example, 
Um, most of my colleagues would believe that what we do in the U.S. is we are very candid. Maybe I should say that's a New York strategy, that we're very candid. We're very direct and we're very candid. Um, I'm going to beg to differ how direct we are. I think instead sometimes we're just blunt. I'm not sure we actually get at the real issue or we really say what we're really feeling, but we can be quite blunt, especially in New York. Not not all of the U.S., but at least in New York. Um, but that's not what you mean when you say straight talk. So say what is good straight talk or give me an example and yeah. distinguish that from what's going to lose face. All right. Well, you know, Wanda, let me um, tell you a, 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 a true story. Okay. okay. And I'm going to not use the real name. <laughs> and so um, Jeff was the finance director of a global finance organization. And Jeff was facing a big crisis. Under his watch, a frontline employee had stolen over $100,000 in an eight-month period. As the finance director, Jeff had developed and deployed the entire cash flow uh, system that allowed this person to commit the fraud undetected. So it was a high-profile case, and it was discussed not only in security meetings, but also spread quickly throughout the company. So Jeff felt entirely responsible and also personally victimized. And it's a good example of losing face big time. So the company's COO planned a meeting with Jeff and his team, and the distress consumed Jeff. You can tell that he lost weight, he couldn't sleep for days, he even developed a bad rash. So finally, the day arrived. Okay, so everybody, Jeff and his team, waited in the conference room anxiously, wait, anxiously waiting for uh, the, the COO to arrive. And the COO walked in. He broke the tension with just one sentence. He said, I don't care about the theft. He continued on saying that Theft is unavoidable whether you run a hot dog stand or a multinational company. He said the company was insured and would be made whole. I only want to know that you plan to review the process and fix it. And you seem well on your way from what I can see. Immediately, Jeff's demeanor brightened. And Jeff and his team spend the rest of the meeting focusing on problem solving and looking for solutions. And he returned to his job with renewed energy and the COO has saved his face. Mm -hmm. So how did the COO do it? A few key things. Number one is that he created psychological safety while holding Jeff accountable. He did not let him off the hook. He was kind and firm. He chose his words carefully. He showed humility and emotional intelligence when dealing with this emotionally delicate situation. He helped Jeff overcome shame and embarrassment very quickly and refocus his energy to solve the problem and move forward. Mm -hmm. He sent the message to Jeff and his team, I trust you. I have confidence that you would do the right thing. And that is saving face. 
We talk about when we're assessing leaders, for example, one of the common qualities that we assess them on is their ability to be calm in a situation. And the reason calmness in crisis matters is because if you're being chaotic and, you know, ranting and raving and shouting at people, nobody thinks cleverly and nobody's thinking about how to solve it. All right. You've now convinced me that that's the wrong phrase, that it's not about being calm. It's about the ability to help people in the middle of the crisis save face so that they focus on what matters and get through it and get it done. Absolutely. And, you know, um, um, in the book, I also talk about fee forward versus fee back. Yeah. And, um, you know, as leaders, when we help somebody save face, we we, we can talk about what happened in the past as feedback. But the most important thing is to really focus on the future, focus on the solution and send a message to the, the person that I believe in you would do the right thing. And let's work on this together. Yeah. And so when we look at fee forward, when we focus on the future, it's much easier for us to stay positive because right. there is a chance for us to actually fix the, fix the problem and move forward. Right. And, you know, we're not going to dwell on the past because there's nothing we can do about it. It's done. Right. right. What can we do to make it better? Or to not have it happen again, or to change the systems and the processes, or whatever else it is that needs to move us in a better state of affairs as a company. Okay, I'm totally sold. I didn't think before this that I was going to adopt the language of saving face, and you have now completely convinced me that this honoring face, losing face, saving face, the three components are really critical for understanding our relationships and for moving our relationships into a better state, a better state of trust, a better state of inclusion. It couldn't be a better statement from me. So this is a perfect place to take a break. So my guest today is Maya Huchan. The book that we're talking about is Saving Face. And Maya is, as you can tell, a recognized speaker, leader, author, leadership consultant, author, and a certified coach. And she's a highly rated keynote speaker and workshop facilitator, saving face, how to preserve dignity and build trust. When we come back, I want to talk about cultural agility and what that looks like. We'll be right back. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. 
Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive, all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. I'm with Maya Huchan. And the book that we've been talking about is Saving Face, How to Preserve Dignity and Build Trust. And I think I said at the last one, I am just now falling in love with this idea of saving face. And the notion of face is that face for people is their self-esteem, self-worth, identity, reputation, status, pride, and dignity. And it's what all of us want in our roles. Independent of your cultural background of Western or Eastern, it's what we're all looking for. And we're looking for managers who can actually help us honor face, which is to show us respect and dignity, among other things. Great concept. All right. So, Maya, I want to turn and talk about culture and particularly cultural agility. Because as I started at the beginning of the show, we're all working in cross-functional ways with people around the world. And if they're not around the world, they're cross-cultures in the same city. We just need a lot more flexibility, agility. So what does this thing, cultural agility, mean to you? Yes. So, Wanda, cultural agility um, is the ability to understand multiple local contexts and work within them to obtain consistent business results, okay? Okay. So when we think about this, it's that in t- today's world, um, we are working with people from all over the world, whether they're all based in the same city or they're actually located thousands of miles away in different time zones, that we, are, um, we have so, much, so many opportunities to interact with them and to, uh, to build relationship with them. So having this cultural agility is the new competitive, added, uh, a, a new competitive edge for today's leaders and also the global organizations that we all work in today. Okay, so how? How do we acquire? What's involved in getting better at this cultural agility? Well, great question. Um, you know, I... Um, have worked with uh, leaders that uh, around the world, and one thing that um, I have noticed is that 
a really effective leader that who can work with anybody, anywhere, anytime are leaders that who are very adaptable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so adaptability really is the key. In fact, the first book that I wrote on global leadership, we have studied, interviewed hundreds of leaders in um, six different continents. And we asked leaders repeatedly the same question. What is this trait that's most important for global leaders? Whether you are the C-suite executives, middle managers, or frontline um, workers, what, what's most important? And one word that keeps coming up over and over again is the word adaptability. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does that look like? Let me tell you a story of okay. a, um, a, a client of mine that shared with me that, um, let's just call him John. Okay. So John um, is American leader that he has a um, multicultural global team that he worked with. And um, so he was sending out, he sent out an email to one of his team members in Japan. And the email basically says that, well, this is, um, I would like you to work on this project and finish this by this day, this time. And uh, please confirm. Very straightforward. And um, next day he received the email back from this team member, this team member sent back this email with just two words, no way. (laughs) So, well, John was um, not pleased (laughs) to say the Uh least when he received this email. And he was also a bit surprised. So he thought, wow, this was terrible. Well, how dare you? I am your boss and I asked you to do this and you tell me no way, that's just rude. So he immediately started writing an email back, and this email was kind of angry. So after he typed back this email, and then before he hit the send button, he read it again. And then he said, wow, this, I sound really angry. And also, as he was thinking about this team member that he has been working with his team member for um, over a year, and he has always been respectful, diligent, and responsible, And, you know, never had any issue with his performance. So he started to reflect on, well, I wonder what happened. Why did he say no way in this email? So he um, uh, deleted that email, the the reply. And then he said, well, I'm going to pick up the phone and and talk to him. Mm -hmm. And when he picked up the phone and talked to this employee, the team member said, well, um, well, boss, I'm so sorry about this, uh, this project. I can't get it done at the time that you requested. And John said, okay, well, tell me what's going on. And the, the employee said, well, you know, that same week of this deadline you gave me, I have two other projects I have to complete. Um, so clearly, I just, there's no way I can actually finish that. So uh, I'm so sorry. And then he went on to explain in detail the other two projects, what they are. And so John listened to it and said, okay, well, I understand. I, it makes sense. That's fine. We can, we can uh, postpone this, change the deadline. That's not an issue. But why did you say no way in the email? And this, in, this team member said, well, you know, um, English is not my first language. And I've been trying to improve my English. I want to speak and communicate like Americans. So I want to, I've been watching American movies and TVs. And the people say no way all the time, right? So I wanted to be more direct. So I thought I'm going to use that just to tell you I cannot do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so,、uh, of course, John had a big laugh, right? And then he explained to this team member what "no way" actually means in American culture, and、um, uh, uh, and then they actually work things out.、Um, and imagine, right? If John did not take the time to pick up the phone and talk, and he didn't、right. stop and reflect on the situation, and he was running on an autopilot, what could happen? Yeah. He could have caused this employee to lose face big time, and damage the relationship. And、uh, you know who who knows that what's going to happen with with、uh, the future relationship working with him. So、um, when we think about cultural agility, right? There's three things that I call the triple A model. It's it's、mm-hmm. an acronym.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, the first A is aware. So、mm-hmm. we need to be aware of our own assumptions and bias.、Mm-hmm. And、um, you know, in this case, the first assumption that John had was, well, this person knows what no way means, how rude it is, and、uh, it was offensive. He was being rude. That、mm-hmm. was his assumption because he was offended. But then he quickly realized that, wait a minute, okay, that's my assumption, and that may not be the case. And then the second A is acquire. So acquire is that、uh, he acquired the information or knowledge about the other culture. So he decided instead of sending this angry email, I'm going to talk to him to understand what's going on, his perspective. And once he get that information, and then he realized, ah,、oh, that was a misunderstanding, right? And then the third A is adopt. So he very quickly adopt his approach and say, let's. He he explained what no way means to his team member. At the same time, they adjust the deadline, so everything worked out.、Okay. Right. So, cultural agility—it's about adaptability. It's about self-aware, and also it's about empathy. And then, ultimately, you have to be adaptable to change your mindset and your behaviors to make it win-win. Strikes me that a lot of this is the same thing you've said several times: is to go off autopilot, press pause button. And just question: What is this? Might this be about? What else might it be about? And think: Ah, that's unusual. Rather than just reacting. Okay. Awareness. All right. Triple A model. I like. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shift gears on you because you have a model that you talk about, particularly in saving face. That's the build model. So, how does this model work, and how does it apply to working with team members? Yes. So the build model is、um, something that we can apply、um, not just in a cross-cultural scenario, but it can be applied to everyday interactions when we work with our team members, when we work with、um, customers, work with work with、uh, senior executives. You know, at all level, is that using this build model, we can build trust. In the workplace, and we can create psychological safety in the workplace, and ultimately, that we can create an inclusive environment so people can thrive and they feel because they feel respected and included. So,、uh, the Bill model is an acronym. So,、uh, the first word B is benevolence and accountability. I added accountability with benevolence. Okay.、Um, And I mentioned earlier that、uh, I want that you remember the story about Jeff, right? Right. The COO.、Um, he was kind but firm,、mm-hmm. and he 
was holding him accountable at the same time preserve his dignity. Okay. And so um, the first step about building trust is about you're sending the message to the other person that I have your back and I assume the best intention and no blame, no shame. And, you know, let's work together on this and we're on this together. So to be able to build psychological safety and show empathy is so important. And, you know, empathy is something that I like to think we all we often say here in America that em- empathy is to put yourself in the other person's shoes, right? And I think that when I think of that um, metaphor, I always thought about, hey, you know, if I'm going to put myself in the other person's shoes, I got to take off my own shoes, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I I can't just put keep my own shoes and then try to fit in their shoes. That just doesn't work. So um, metaphorically, that you know, I'm going to put aside my own bias, assumptions, uh, and beliefs, and then truly put myself in their situation, understand where they're coming from. And I think that this is particularly important in um, today's um, world here that uh, we were talking about in the workplace, right? right. Our, um, our colleagues who are in a, in, a, in a different cultural background, we have uh, black employees and Asian employees, Latina, Latinx employees, that people in LGBTQ communities that a lot of times that we don't always um, understand or uh, what they're going through. Right. So, if we are going to demonstrate benevolence and accountability, that we need to learn to take off our own shoes first. Right. And before you go on to the next model, I just want to piggyback on that one because I do think you're right. I love the expression of take off our own shoes. Because what we typically do when we put ourselves in somebody else's position, we think, how would I react? How would I feel if I were in that situation? And what would I be doing? And then we get upset with the other person because they don't do what we think they sh- you would be doing in that case. And the truth is they can feel different. They can have a different perspective. They can have a different set of motives. They can have a different set of fears. And we have to respect what those are. So I love that. Take off your own shoes. I love it. Okay, that's the B in build. What's the U? So U is understanding. Okay, so um, get off the autopilot, right? You be self-aware of your own stereotypes and assumptions and understanding it's about listening. It's about listening with 10 eyes, like we talked about before, with the heart and the eyes and a ear. And also, when we listen, we wanted to listen to not just the facts, but also listen to the feelings and values. So that is active listening. And that's the important step in order to build trust is that mm-hmm. we understand their perspective, not just our own. Mm-hmm. Great. And okay. next letter of the build model is I. So I is interacting. So interacting is that, um, you know, another metaphor is that once we get off the autopilot is that we wanted to engage with others. And we, when we engage with other people, we need to raise our human antenna. Okay, so what I mean, what do I mean by that? Now, Wanda, you remember those in the old days that uh, we have those, uh, oh, radio. Has, right. I literally have to raise the antenna yeah. by hand, right? And what happened if um, the antenna was down? 
can't hear anything, right? And but as you raise the antenna, that you can hear. You raise it a little bit, you hear some static. But then when you raise it all the way up, you can receive signals from all different three six three hundred sixty degree um, different directions. And you can hear the music. You can hear the talk on the radio. Everything becomes so clear. Okay. So when we interact, we need to raise our human antenna to pay attention, to truly engage with other people, ask questions, ask non-judgmental, open-ended questions to understand, and also um, to listen, and also practice straight talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's I. Okay. The next letter is L. Okay. So L is learning. Learning is such an important part of uh, building trust because we don't understand. We don't know what we don't know a lot of times. Right. So that um, we should have a beginner's mind. And, you know, there's a Zen master once said, in a beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In an expert's mind, there is none. So which one do you want to be? <laughs> so um, actively seeking knowledge for personal growth and also be willing to step outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Hey, so learning is so important when we okay. continue to build trust and relationships. Now, the last letter is D. So D is delivery. Delivery is about kind of bringing it all together is that we want to leave we want to lead inclusively okay and we want to honor and save face for others and we want to follow the platinum rule okay mm-hmm. so um what is platinum rule we all know golden rule the golden rule is treat others as you would like to be treated but the platinum rule is actually take it one step further and there's only one word difference is Treat others as they would like to be treated. So there you have it. Those, that's the build model, B-U-I-L-D. So benevolent. So you have their back, assume the best of intention, and accountable. Understand, meaning I go off autopilot in some self-awareness. Interacting, which is where I'm going to really engage. And I love that concept of raising the human antenna. I love that. A learner, and I, that Zen quote I'm going to use forever, a beginner's mindset where there are many possibilities, as opposed to the expert mindset where there's none, and of course, out of the comfort zone. And then D is delivery, where I'm going to honor and save face and treat people as they want to be treated, the platinum rule. Maya, build, okay? Face. I love this concept now that I understand it more correctly carefully. I get why saving and honoring face is such a powerful ingredient for building an inclusive culture. And I can see how accidentally, unintentionally, we can show people, we can leave people feeling disrespected, humiliated, unincluded, and whatever else I left out of your list, but devalued, I think was the last piece. And that sets up the worst of human behavior in my experience and all the problems we have in relationships. So my guest today is Maya Huchan. The book that we've been talking about, Saving Face, How to Preserve Dignity and Trust. And Maya, obviously, is a brilliant speaker, an author, a leadership consultant, and a great coach. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Maya. Thank you, Wanda. This is a real honor to be here. And thank you for the opportunity. 
It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, and if you've enjoyed the show, then join us next week for another episode in getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of that expert mindset and into the beginner's mindset. If you'd like to know more, check out our subscription service at outofthecomfortzone.com. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.